This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey everyone, you are now listening to the Land Great Holy Land Recruiting Podcast State Secrets with Patrick Yen, Jake Collar, and Ken James. Welcome, welcome, guys, to the State Secrets Podcast featuring Patrick Yan, Jake Collar, and Ken James, yes. although unfortunately, Ken James is unfortunately not going to be with us again today. Um, he's got some family in town. He's going to be busy, but it's just going to be me and Ken next week, I believe. So if, you, yes. if you've if you been missing Ken, I'll be you'll dead get, for a week next week. <laughs> you'll get all the Ken you could want next week. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is the State Secrets Podcast recording on 12-21-2019. Let's just get right into it, Jake. Let's do it. Signing day. Yeah. Love it. Huge big, stuff. Big day, big days. But before we get to that, let's finish off with the high school seasons of, of our Buckeye commits. Um, no no future Buckeyes in games anymore. Unfortunately, Jackson with Njigba did get held in check against Duncanville. Uh, they got the Rockwall just got blown out by them. 56-14. The talent gap was pretty pretty substantial there. Njigba did lead his team in catches and yards, but only had five catches for the for thirty-eight yards. Um, I think, I mean, it was an excellent run for for Rockwall, much better than they expected. They're the 11th ranked team in Texas, and they got to, you know, top four. So clearly they they made some upsets. Yeah, they they played really well. Obviously, Jackson Smith and and Jigba played great all year long. But this is probably the case of the defensive staff going, we're going to put seven guys on Smith and Jigba. He's not going to beat us. Let's see what else happens. Right, and... And by all accounts, I mean Rockwall tried to get the ball to Najigba, and whatever they, they whatever way they could, they had him returning punts. They had yeah. him running the ball, but just really couldn't get much going because, like you said, I'm sure that he was the main focus yeah. on, on for uh, for Duncan for Duncan Bill. Bill, yeah. Uh, last person, St. John Bosco and Court Williams, they did win their state championship against LaSalle, 49-28. Um, Court Williams had seven tackles, one tackle for loss, and a pass defense. I mean, St. John Bosco is, you know, arguably the literal best team in the nation. Right. This was expected, but, I mean, it's, it's good for them to take care of business. Yeah, and you like guys who have, you know, they talk about winning pedigree and championship history and things like that. That's just a little bit of that coming out of high school for, for court. And that's it for Friday Night Fighters, and that's generally going to be it for Friday Night Fighters for, you know, a the while. rest. Yeah, for for a while until, until next uh, high school season starts, but we're gonna move on then to our commit spotlight. And this this week it's gonna be on Ryan Watts, who became extremely important. Very we'll get to that later. Yes. Um, let's go to his basic stats. Twenty twenty cornerback. He's six two and a half, one eighty seven, four star, nine zero nine one composite, two fifty eight overall, seventeenth ranked cornerback, thirty sixth player out of Texas. Two four seven numbers show a four five nine forty. 
a 407 shuttle, and a 38-inch vertical. His huddle page says the same and adds a 230 bench, 350 squat, 330 deadlift, and 250 clean lift. And uh, the, the first thing I'll note is that it's these, these numbers, especially the speed numbers, are very good for a cornerback of his size. And he, he's definitely a bigger guy, you know, yeah. part of that, that new wave of, of cornerbacks that – that they want them to be big. You know, it used to be you just want fast guys to keep over the receivers. Now you want big guys to jam the receiver at the, end, at the line of scrimmage. Don't let them go. Very much a Richard Sherman mold type of guy. For for context, Richard Sherman is 6'3 and 195 for comparison. So almost identical in size. And Ohio State I was a little bit ahead of the curve on this bigger cornerback thing. They've been doing it for a couple of years now. And this 6'2 and a half is pretty tall for a corner but like like we're talking about here his numbers are those of a smaller guy when it comes to speed and shuttle and stuff like that yeah especially the shuttle right yeah. 407 that puts him at fifth amongst dbs at the 2019 nfl draft combine so i mean that's nfl ready agility and ken who's, who's not here but if he was here he would tell you once again that it, cornerback, it's all about hip fluidity and agility. You know, the the straight line speed, not as important. It's all about can you flip your hips, can you turn, and this guy can obviously do that. Um, just a note, I feel like we point out the shuttle as a highlight for a lot of these recruits that we've been highlighting. We do, yeah. And I think that's because OSU seems to put a very large emphasis on agility. Moreover, moreover than maybe straight line speed, it's it's really what agility. It's really agility that OSU seems to value the most. Yeah, and a lot of times we see this because OSU is one of the places that can develop talent and technique with anybody, but you need the raw tools to be able to develop. And, and agility, especially in the in, as a skill position player or in the secondary on defense, is so important. And this is just another good example of, yeah, he may be a 258th overall player, but obviously his skill and agility numbers are, are better than that. And he'll be he'll be a good addition to say the least at Ohio State. Right. I think you talked about earlier when we were doing the prep for the show that he's maybe the what, the most underrated yeah, corner as, as prospect as, in 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 the the Buckeyes have. Yeah, a couple of the uh the Bucknucks guys I have read a national story too that that say, you know, we'll talk about it here in a minute, but he didn't necessarily always play cornerback. So he was just known as a great athlete. And they could do multiple things, wide receiver, safety, whatever. But they're saying he's he's ready to play at corner day one. Now, will he get that spot? Is remain to be seen, of course. But he'll come in and fight for that those one of those Arnett or Okuda spots right away. So high school career-wise, he played for uh, Little Elm High School in Texas, the Lobos, as they are called. They're not very good. Uh, they finished no. three and seven this year. They missed the playoffs. I mean, that's by far the worst record of any of the high yeah. school players that we've we looked at here. And he was listed as a cornerback slash wide receiver. It's a pretty common position combo for these sure. guys. Um, but he he played a lot of safety this year. His his coach said that teams just weren't throwing his way when he was playing cornerback and. I mean, that's good to a certain extent, but at the same time, that means your best player is not even anywhere near the ball almost the entire time on defense. Yeah, it's not that he's not effective, but you want to get your best players around the football. Right, so they, they moved him to safety after, like, the first two games-ish. The whole rest of the way, they, they played him at safety. Statistics-wise, he had 51 tackles, 7 pass breakups, 2 picks, and 1 forced fumble. And he also led his team in receiving 
with 24 catches for 456 yards and 10 touchdowns. So, and I say lead, he literally had the most catches and touchdowns, I believe, according to their coach. So, you know, 24 catches leading your team. You can kind of see maybe why he was needed around or all around the ball. Well, and why Little Elm went three and seven too. Yeah. Uh, so timeline wise, he had 36 offers. You know, all the big schools were after this guy. Right. And uh, committed to Oklahoma on April 21st, 2019. He decommitted October 2nd, and then just 11 days later, on October 31st, or sorry, October 13th, he committed to OSU, and he signed his letter of intent. So this guy is signed, sealed, and delivered. Yep. Great name to see as you watch the, it's not really faxes anymore, but as you watch the announcements come in of guys who are official, he's one that we we knew was going to come to Ohio State, but just the security of seeing that name with all the other stuff that was up you never air. really know right and we'll talk about just how crazy sometimes right. signing day can get but yeah i mean i think the the maybe the 258 overall number and the 17th cornerback number that can kind of scare might scare some people but just look at the teams that were in for him you know alabama lsu georgia Every big name was in for this guy, and that just sh- that should show you what his talent level is more than maybe the numbers do. Yeah, and it it actually stands out a little bit more being from a team that is no good. You know, they're all the most of the guys there watching these high school games as scouts are there watching specifically him, and that's it. And so, I mean, for him to be able to pull an Alabama offer, an LSU offer, a Ohio State offer. When probably nobody else on the field was worthy of one, is impressive. Right. All right. So let's go to the scouting for scouting report from Two Four Seven Sports. Um, they said he's a huge cornerback prospect with elite frame relative to the position, possesses outstanding height and length, owns college ready size yet still plenty of space to add more bulk, built like a basketball player, flashes impressive turn and bail ability especially relative to frame, fairly light and nimble in his backpedal. Large wingspan aids in disrupting passing windows and catch point. Almost limitless ceiling as a jammer because of size, length, strength, potential. Should present a tough customer in the red zone. Strong tester. Verified 459940. 420 shuttle. Uh, 420 is what he ran at the opening regional. 407 is what he ran a month later at the finals. 38-inch vertical. Generally uses arm extension well, not afraid to mix it up and press. Can improve strength, particularly to aid in run support and tackle power. Doesn't always play to size as a tackler. More of a cutter than a hitter. Can improve ball skills. Needs to more consistently maximize high-pointing ability on contested throws. Just coming into his own, but possesses unusual tools for a high-major corner prospect. Definite Power 5 starter with NFL draft ceiling with proper development. Yep, and as you see the evolution of the Ohio State defense where not more than a handful of years ago our cornerbacks would be 10 or 12 yards off the line of scrimmage, that's not the case anymore. So somebody who can be an elite jammer at the line of scrimmage will fit right in. And I think we're going to sound like a, a broken record here, but when I when I see the words plenty of space to add more bulk and can improve strength, if they're coming to OSU – I am not concerned. They're going to do those things. They're going to do those things. Yeah. You know, we've we've mentioned Mickey Marotti probably more than any other <laughs> Buckeye show could ever mention probably. a guy. It's but, so deserved though. But there's just there's a pedigree there, and you yeah. can just see the guys that have come out of OSU, and they're they're ready to go physically and size wise. And yeah, if that's a if that's an issue coming into him from high school, that won't be an issue when he's here. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, personal scouting report from watching his senior year highlights tape. I mean, most of his highlights were at safety and wide receiver. Mm-hmm. That's just where he played for the most part this year. The few times he played corner early in season is where he got his two interceptions, right? So that's that's got to mean something. Yeah, and you can only show highlights of a guy if they're throwing the ball to him, which we already talked about didn't happen very often. Right. You know, he probably got those two early picks, and they're like, okay, why bother? Let's just throw to the other side of yeah, the field. Yeah, right. Uh, he's definitely more of a hitter than a tackler, like like most high schoolers, though. I mean, yeah. 90% of the high schoolers that I've seen so far, they don't really wrap up. They're just kind of hitting the guy, hit him high, hit him low, doesn't matter, but they're just faster and stronger than the guys that they're playing against. Yeah, and you made, that's the point exactly is, I mean, this he may be trying to tackle somebody who's 5'9", 180, and he doesn't have to tackle him. He can just bump into him, and the job gets done. Right. But one thing I like, and maybe it's because he play, got to play safety this year, but he's definitely not afraid to get physical and lay a hard hit and, and yeah. you know, help and run support. He's not he's not like a Deion Sanders type. Basically. Yeah. Um, and then for his ball skills, you know, the 247 scouting report was a little bit concerned about them. I only watch his highlight tape, and obviously they're not going to show any drops. Right. right. But from, from his catches, his ball skills seem solid. Um he showed, you know, a good ability to track the ball in the air and and slow down if he needs to. A lot of the balls, unfortunately, were underthrown to him. And, he, you know, he's able to slow down and still catch them, which is not the easiest thing to do. And it's vital playing cornerback because we see so many P.I. calls because the ball gets underthrown, the wide receiver tries to come back to the ball, and the DB runs into him. If he can do that on offense, that should be able to translate well to not doing it on defense. Yeah, you got to hope. And then the last thing is he he took a number of screens to the house, which, I mean, if you're taking screens for touchdowns, long touchdowns, you got to have good speed and yeah. good good wiggle. I'm unsure of how that's going to look against equal athletes, though. I feel like we talked about some people who look faster on tape than maybe their numbers would suggest. I wouldn't say that Ryan Watts was necessarily that type. He looks, you know, pretty fast, but he doesn't look like outstandingly much faster than, than anyone else around him. But with that, we're going to take a real quick break, and when we come back, we're going to recap everything early signing day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are back for another edition, or another part, I should say, of our State Secrets podcast. And so early signing day was on Wednesday. Yep. It has come. I mean, it, technically, it's still going. You can you can kind of sign whenever. Right. But I got to ask you, Jake, what what do you think the point of early signing day is? For my for my view, it doesn't seem to have much of a much of a point. No, it's. I think the coaches sort of enjoy it because it, it gives them more time to get out and see these guys. 
there's not a lot of recruiting done during bowl prep for these huge teams. I mean, you get some guys to come in, but most of these guys have already had their visits. All of their officials are pretty much taken at this point if they're 2020 guys. I think it's good just to, if somebody knows, let them sign the paper. You know, why make them wait? Why stress out the programs and the coaches to the point of, I have to keep recruiting this guy? I think it, it just it helps out with the scheduling, and it helps these guys be able to focus on school too because a lot of these guys want to get this kind of thing done so they can focus on graduating and early enrollment in a lot of these programs, which has become, you know, so important in, in football. We see it now. The, the Zach Harrisons of the world who come in early are ready to play early now, and so it kind of it helps out the player development as well. So – from what I'm hearing, it, it kind of facilitates that early enrollee type of thing, which is becoming so more, so much more prevalent in college football. And yeah, like, schedule wise, it just seems to work out, right? You just finished the college football season, just finished your high school season, right? Why not? Let's just let's just get it. If over both with. parties are ready to go, let's just go. Okay. Yeah. All right. So with that being said, um, just a couple of news and notes before we we talk about the class as a whole. Uh, Buckeyes, the biggest one is they finally get their second quarterback in right. CJ Stroud. I mean, this guy. He's a very good prospect, yeah. but he he made OSU wait for sure. And yeah. Georgia and, and Michigan were very hard in for this guy. I was pretty skeptical that OSU was going to get him, but he he did finally come here, which is great. Yeah, I was a little shocked just that within the final list that he had of the major schools, really none of them were West Coast schools. You know, it was it was always going to be him coming east. You know, it's it's always nice to get somebody that your rival wanted. So not only did we get somebody away from that team up north, we also got a guy that may be the next in line. I mean, we we talk about the other quarterbacks, you know, in this class and next class, but this guy's a threat. Right, he really is. He's he's a four-star pro style quarterback. He was the second pro style quarterback in the class. I mean, that should just tell you that this guy, he's hes quite good. Yeah. And he's going to, he's him and Jack Miller are really going to be pushing for that backup spot next year and then the starting spot in 2021. Yeah. You love the competition. Yeah. All right. And then the biggest loss, unfortunately, there was a loss. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to our podcast last week, we did warn you that it a loss possible. could be very, very possibly could be coming. Yeah. OSU, they lose Clark Phillips the third to Utah. He was OSU's highest-rated defensive back in the class. He was number four cornerback. He was top 50 nationally. He becomes Utah's highest-ever recruit, and th- this is just a, it's, a, it's a big loss. Yeah, it's a big loss, and I don't, I don't like hearing a lot of people now flip to the, well, he's kind of short, or no, get, get over that. OSU wanted this guy desperately. So did everybody else, by the way, yeah. but... Losing a guy like this is is not great, but don't then minimize what his effectiveness would have been. He's a possible day one draft prospect, and like you said, the highest rated recruit Utah's ever got. We're not talking about Furman or Liberty, you know, no offense to them, but Utah's been playing some good football for the last several years, and for him to be the best player they've ever got shows you how what his skill level is. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, 
he was i mean we did a spotlight on him right. and we were kind of really gushing about his yeah. his ability and it's just going to make ryan watts all the more important super important and uh i mean he's he's the cornerback now right. uh, of this of this class i gotta ask you though jake with what's going on here actually let me let me get through the rest of this real quick and okay. then i'll ask you um besides those two guys and and cam martinez all of the rest of the osu commits have signed yeah so all i think 24 of them 23 24, 24. um cam would be 25 yeah, and cam would be 25 yeah. cam martinez is expected to sign in february probably around national signing day um and he was he was a pretty OSU lock, and I would still consider him kind of an OSU lock. However, right. we are facing some kind of increased competition from smaller schools, not to belittle them, but let's be realistic. Right. From smaller schools like Minnesota and Northwestern, because they're gonna they're they're talking to him that they're gonna allow him to play offense, which is really kind of where he made his money as a Michigan player. Yeah. I mean, he was Michigan player of the year two years in a row based on his ability to to run the ball from the quarterback position. Right. That's not where OSU wants him to play. They don't want him on that side of the ball even. Right. They want him as a safety, DB, you know, something like that. Yeah, and sometimes we get lost in the fact that the best player is going to always play offense also on his team. You know, it's very rare that you just see Mm -hmm. an elite player only playing defense. But the track record is what the track record is. If OSU thinks he would be more valuable to them on defense – then I got to believe that because certainly with the wide receiver class, he's not going to be needed to go catch the ball. So do you want to be a Buckeye? Do you want to be the man on a different campus? It's just about, you know, what what does he want to do? Is it is the school more important? Is the position more important? The coaches? It, it's – I'm with you, Pat. I still think Cam Martinez will end up here as a Buckeye, but it's a little sweaty time as we get towards February. Right, I mean – a lot of I think Clark Phillips was it, it was it was starting to come down to to Utah and it was becoming more of a possibility. I think most people thought Clark Phillips was still going to end up as a Buckeye. Yeah, I cer- I certainly did. I, I talked about it before, saying you know sometimes there's not great reasoning behind it. You just look and say, well, Clark Phillips had to have known Jeff Halfley wasn't going to be here all four years that mm-hmm. he was here, and he by all accounts there's no guarantee that the cornerback and d-back coach at utah is going to be there for all four years or three years maybe mm-hmm. for for clark but it's just it, it was it had to be just i want to stay closer to home that's all i can see out of this for me i i think it's there could be a little bit of that cam martinez part where we talked about where I don't want to say this because it's kind of got a negative connotation, but there is merit to being a a, a big fish in a little pond, right? Sure. Where at OSU, he, this guy's great, so I don't want to minimize him like we talked about, but the fact is at OSU, you're going to be competing against high four stars, five star cornerbacks every single year that you're here. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the 2021 cornerback class is looking extremely promising so far. Right. I think like. Two top ten guys have OSU in their like final lists mm-hmm. coming up. Tony Grimes being one of them. You're going to be competing against these guys every single year, which is it's rough to deal with. While at Utah, like we said, he is the guy in Utah. He's going to be their number one cornerback. He's not really going to be threatened, which you know could be a good thing, could be a bad thing for him in terms of development. But 
he's got that starting job locked up unless he really, really loses it. While at OSU, that's not a guarantee. Yeah, and they were open. Utah is who I'm talking about. Was very open in saying, "You come here, you you are the guy. I don't need to watch you through spring ball. I don't know. You come here, you're the man." And like you said, sometimes that's hard to pass up. Right, and college football is, is national now. You're not yeah. just watching Notre Dame on right. on national TV on you know Fox or whatever whoever has it. You can watch anybody at any time, and so can NFL scouts. Which means that you know you don't have to go to the biggest program of all time to get noticed anymore. And Utah's right on the precipice of of jumping into those big program categories. You know, they were ranked top 10 a lot this year. They were pretty clever game away, basically, from having an argument for the playoff. Mm. And as long as the quarterback can put the weed down next year and stay eligible, then, you know, Utah, again, will be one of these top 10 teams-ish, hopefully, for them, that's fighting with a... Oregon or possibly a USC or somebody like that for a Pac-12 championship. Right. So let's talk about the class as a whole now. Yeah. Honestly, this is not bad after losing Halfley. Halfley, one of the best recruiters, right. clearly one of the best coaches in college football. Yeah. We lose him. We only lose Clark Phillips. It, it could have been worse because recruiting is all about relationships. It's all about it relationships. Is. And Jeff Hadley had a very good relationship with the defensive backs in particular. Ryan Watts. He decommitted from Oklahoma and committed to OSU in large part thanks to Jeff Halfley. But right. we keep on we hold on to him. Uh, legend Cavazos has said very similar things where yep. he de- decommitted after Urban left and then recommitted once he saw that um, you know once he saw that Jeff Halfley was on board and, and Jeff Halfley got to talk to him. And I think it helps too that the current cornerbacks, namely Okuda, have been very outspoken about the relationship with Halfley and how much he has developed as a player and going to be a professional soon because of Jeff Halfley. And the thing about it is, though, Pat, we talk about this you, that you. OSU is cornerback DBU. They were that before Jeff Halfley, and they're – there's no sign that that's going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Whether no matter who comes here, it's going to be somebody who knows how to coach him up and get guys to the next level. And just the the string continues. You know, you what a guy like Ryan Watts is trying to figure out where to go, and he gets a full season of watching Okuda. Of course, I want I want to go do that. Mm-hmm. And because there's not many other places that are putting out cornerbacks in top five or seven overall in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that's why we still got 20, 24, should hopefully 25 commits. Right. But talking about that number, is that number going to increase? Early signing days come, almost everybody is signed now. There's not yeah. too many super high-profile guys out there. There's c- a couple needs that OSU still has. Right. Running back, possibly. The only guy they have is a three-star mine, Williams. Right. Uh, defensive end defensive is somewhere end. that has been pretty pretty talked about that we, we need defensive ends. If you don't count Jacob Cohen, there's only one three-star guy as well, and that's uh, Ty Hamilton, Ty Hamilton yeah. uh, Devon Hamilton's brother. And then finally, now cornerback is a position of need. Yeah. Uh, with you know with Ryan Watts being, I think, the, the only guy there. I think the other two are safeties, right, uh, in Court Williams and Lejon Cavazos, although he can – play either side sure and yeah we'll see with with legend but i think the the biggest part of this is the exodus 
of talent from the the cornerback and deep. Not only are we going to lose Okuda and Arnett, Brendan White entered the transfer portal. Isaiah Pryor is now going to be at Notre Dame, and these these are all defensive back guys that were highly recruited to come here. We're seeing a mass exodus, and it's going to leave a spot open for somebody. However, to answer your question, Pat, I think the number is going to stick at 25. There's, there isn't a big enough need here that they need to go get somebody who may or may not have been worthy of an Ohio State offer to begin with. There's some guys, Cam Brown, Seven Banks, there's some guys here who have gotten some play time and will step into those roles next year. I'm, I'm holding out hope that somebody grades out Sean Wade very poorly and he ends up ne- back here next year. But while while there is some room there, OSU isn't necessarily going to hurry to fill it with talent that shouldn't be at OSU. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, 25 is a good class. They're probably yeah. going to be fourth, I believe. Georgia is projected to jump OSU in those yeah. rankings. But you still got You're going to bring in a top five class, and 2021 is is a really good start as well. Yeah, and that's just. There's a couple five stars left out there that seem seemingly are going to end up at Georgia, who aren't in the the composite rankings for the classes yet. Right. Okay. So that's going to be it for this week's new warriors. You know, good early signing period. Maybe yeah. not as great as we wanted, but I mean, you lose Clark Phillips, you get C.J. Stroud, and that's almost just as big, or if not bigger, of a of a get than a loss. Yeah. I mean, it's the only position that touches the ball on every play, pretty yeah. much. So. All right, so let's go to the front page of Rumo. Just a couple things here. Uh, 2021 athlete Charles Montgomery puts OSU in his top five. Uh, Four-star, number 256 overall, 22 athlete, 34th player in Florida. His top five consists of OSU, Florida State, Penn State, Nebraska, and Maryland. So one Florida school and then four Midwest Big Ten schools. (laughs) Kind of a weird top five. All right, um, and let's get to some awards. So it wasn't just award season for... For the college guys, which OSU did quite well in, but yes, OSU did. did quite well in the high school awards here as well. Paris Johnson Jr. got named finalist for the Anthony Munez Lineman of the Year. He's only one of only four people in for this award, and uh, that that'll go out on January third. The finals for that, and he also got named to the Sports Illustrated All American First Team. So I mean, think about how many high schools out there. Think about how many high school teams out there. He is, you know, the one of the five best linemen in the nation. And if we don't see some development from some of the tackles, he may be starting next year. And then he was not the only person to make some all, you know, all American teams. USA Today's high school all USA team had eight future Buckeyes on it on in various plates in various spots. Yeah. Paris Johnson Jr., obviously. Uh Luke Whipler, Julian Fleming, Jackson Sigma Jigba, G. Scott Jr., Cody Simon, Jack Sawyer, and Reed Carrico all make it on there. And of note, really, to me, is is Reed Carrico. Right. When we when we spotlighted him, we did so by saying, you know, this is obviously the best guy on a on a small back part of Ohio's school in Ironton, and it just goes to show you that, you know, there's a lot of players who play at these kinds of schools where they there's one guy and then everybody else is a step down. But the USA Today, all you know, all USA guys found a guy at Ironton and said, yeah, you're good enough to be an All-America guy. I mean, we live in Ohio, and I could not tell you where Ironton is. No, no, I couldn't. I'm, 
Reed Carrico put you on the map at least. Right, now. and and so if that doesn't just show the type of ability that Reed Carrico has, I don't I don't know what else would. Great for him. I don't, I wouldn't have expected that name on that list. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and so that's going to end it for front page and rumor mill. Let's move on to who's coming to town, and that's really nobody. It's going to be nobody for a while. Yeah. Um, recruiting enters a dead season. We talked before about dead seasons, recruiting periods. This is a dead season. The next contact period is not until January 17th, and it'll be January 17th to February 1st, which will pretty much take us right up to the February 5th National Signing Day. All right, so finally we're going to end it off like we always do with our rival watch. With it being early signing day, there is just too many people yeah, to, to right. really put on here. But let me list out some of these the big ones and the high-rated flips because that's kind of the fun part right. of, of early signing day. So the biggest one by far came out of the blue, came out of left field. Five-star wide receiver Rakeem Jarrett, number two wide receiver in the class, just to our, just below our own Julian Fleming, above yeah. Jackson Smith Jigba, above G. Scott Jr. He flips from LSU to Maryland. Go Turtles. I mean, good good for them. They're, hopefully they can start to build something out there. It's always so hard for these other Big Tenny schools to really start to build consecutively year after year. But, I mean, a five-star is a five-star, man. That's, that's a good player who's going to – Maybe like we talked about with Clark Phillips, maybe he wants to be the man somewhere. And right, this is also him being the man a few miles from home too. Right, he's he's a hometown kid, yeah. and that, I'm sure that had the biggest part in right. his decision making. But this is a this is a crazy crazy get for him. Surprisingly, he is actually not the highest rated recruit Maryland's ever had. They've had a couple other really good guys. One one person being Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs was playing. A- at the same position. A huge want for OSU, and he spurned us to go to Maryland, and now he's raking in cash wearing purple. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy flip. I don't think anyone really really saw that one coming. Um, a couple other – I'm going to skip past a couple of these because I want to talk about LSU because they had a really rough day. Yeah. They also lose four-star wide receiver Jermaine Burton. He flipped from LSU to Georgia, direct rival. And then four-star safety Malcolm Green flips from LSU to Clemson. And they also got a decommit four-star defensive end Damon Clowney, who is co- the cousin of Jadavion Clowney, also decommitted. He hasn't signed anywhere yet, but he decommitted from them as well. So they lose a five-star and three four-stars in, in one day. That's, I mean, they they signed a heck of a class. Don't get us wrong, but I I don't I want I don't want to say there's anything going on. You know, there's not necessarily a reason for all of this, but yeah, that's got to leave a sour taste in your mouth if you're LSU just to watch these guys. You know, these these are significant guys. These aren't three star guys who decide they want to go play at you know Oklahoma Tech or something. These are these are guys that are gonna play no matter where they go, and you're just not used to seeing so many flips from a power school all on one day. Yeah, and we it, – it's funny because we talked about it, and, you know, you could have chalked this up to maybe some OSU homerism, but there was yeah. a there was a little bit of us saying, why are all these guys going to LSU? Because, yeah, they're great this year. Don't get me yeah. wrong. They're in the, they're the favorite to win the, sure. the, the football championship, the college football championship. But you have to remember that Joe Burrows – is not going to be there next year. Right. And sans Joe Burrows, LSU has not really been that good. 
Yeah. And, and maybe we're seeing that with this, where some of these guys, they got enamored with this beautiful, high-powered offense that LSU has, and they, they maybe take a, took a step back on early signing day before they put their name to paper and were like, wait a minute, I don't know who the quarterback's going to be here next year. To, to your point, Pat, two of these guys are wide receivers, and it's probably saying who's going to be throwing me the ball. Absolutely. So LSU, once again, they had a great class. They're going to finish up in the top five still. They got, you know, top 10 guy, Eric Gilbert, and they've had, they're probably going to get the number one running back in the class, Zachary Evans yeah, as well. Get... But yeah, that, that's got to hurt. And maybe, maybe there's a little smoke around Joe Brady too, whether or not he's going to be there for these guys' full careers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he won the Bros Award, the, the award for the best assistant to coach. He yeah. beat Jeff Halfley out for it. You gotta imagine that this guy's gonna get a high-profile head uh, coaching job much sooner rather than later. I'm actually kind of surprised that it hasn't happened already. Yeah, it was one of those things we talked about with Jeff Halfley that maybe there wasn't a blue, true blue blood opening. You could argue Florida State if you want, but it's been a while since they've been a, a true power. But maybe he's waiting to see what happens with Clay Hilton now at USC or does Lincoln Riley move on to the NFL, any of these kinds of things. Does Tom Herman have another subpar year at Texas and does that job open up? And so I think unless they back up a purple and gold Brinks truck to Joe Brady, he's probably going to be a head coach pretty soon. Even if they do. Even if they do. Somebody's going to pack up a bigger, a bigger Brinks truck with a Absolutely. bigger title right. on the line. So, I mean, all these reasons. Uh, one last note about Rakeem Jarrett. He's actually the only five-star in the Big Ten that's not going to OSU. So, good for Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so ridiculous. Let's, let's move on another. Let's hit on another. Oh, the rest of the big, the big names. Five-star defensive end Jordan Birch chooses South Carolina over Clemson. Great for everybody that wasn't Clemson because, I mean, Clemson, they're going to sign six five-stars, which is an absurd amount of five-stars. However, their class goes from untouchable to Alabama is just very close behind them. Right. And Jordan Birch was supposed to go to Clemson by all accounts. This, most of the crystal balls were in for, for Clemson. Very late in the game, some of the crystal balls started turning to South Carolina, but very late in the game. But even at the, almost at the death the crystal balls were coming in, came in for LSU even. So yeah. this was pretty unexpected that he chose South Carolina, but thank goodness Clemson didn't get him because Clemson, their class would have been just ridiculous. They don't need any more five stars. Yeah. Uh, five-star inside linebacker Justin Flo chose Oregon over USC, and it's just another kind of indictment on, on USC and their ability. I mean, this is a California guy. It used to be that if you were in California, if USC wants you, you're going to USC. That's just not the case anymore. It's not the case, and you wonder what what does the, the uncertainty at head coach mean to these guys? And obviously it means a lot because I, I, I think Oregon's on the rise again. They kind of dipped off a little bit, and now they're back on, on the come up. We'll see about the quarterback position when Herbert's gone. But, I mean, Justin Flo doesn't care about the quarterback. He's playing linebacker, so – I mean, good good get for Oregon over USC. And like we talk about, when we steal somebody away from the team up north, that's what Oregon's doing is they want to not only get five stars, but make sure the other teams don't get them. Yeah, absolutely. And Oregon's really putting something together there. They got a five-star last year. They got two five-stars this, this year. Yeah. I mean, Oregon's not one of these programs that goes, goes out and gets five-stars every single year, but they got three in two years, which is incredibly impressive. Yeah, and I mean – 
they're starting to shape up the defensive side of the ball with these guys, and that's that's really important. We've always known they could, you know, run the ball really well and have an explosive offense and little dink and dunk passes and things like that have been kind of Oregon's forte, but they're going to be a defensive force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And finally, five-star running back B. John Robinson does stay with Texas. If you listen to our podcast, we told you last week to give up on this one. Yeah. And it was true. He wants to make Texas a powerhouse again. And, you know, you can't blame a guy, and he wants to stay home or close to home. He's an Arizona kid. All right, so that's it for the, the big five stars, I think, that moved around. Um, moving on to the high-rating four stars and just kind of some of the flips, the fun flips here. Four-star running back Jace McClellan, he flips from Oklahoma to Alabama. You know, maybe o- Alabama taking their, their playoff break, using it to their advantage. And they flip a guy who was committed to Oklahoma for two years. He yeah. committed in his this his sophomore year, 2017. He said, I want to be in Oklahoma sooner. Comes down to, to signing day, and he picks Alabama instead. Yeah, and I'm... I honestly, Pat, I can't blame this guy after watching these two teams for several, several years now. Oklahoma's just not a running back factory. Alabama is. Mm -hmm. And so if the ultimate goal is the NFL, then sometimes you go with the, you know, path of least resistance. Yeah, I mean, look at the NFL, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry. I was going to say, can anybody tackle Derrick Henry right now? (laughs) All right, uh, a couple more flips here. Four-star quarterback Chubba Purdy. Flips from Louisville to FSU, another in-conference flip. And then uh, last two, so while Oregon does get some really top-end guys, they do lose four-star wide receiver Johnny Wilson to Arizona State, and they lose four-star safety Mouse Slusher to Arkansas. That's the biggest surprise on this list to me other than Jarrett. How do you flip from a team like Oregon to the dumpster fire that is Arkansas? I don't don't care how much of the man you want to be. You still want to be a man on a winning team. I don't know. Maybe he saw he wasn't going to play at Oregon, but, man, I mean, if you're a four-star guy, why wouldn't you? Like, you got to assume at least some point in your career you'll be a starter. I don't know. Maybe he just believes in, believes in Arkansas that much. Who knows? Yeah. Okay, good, good luck. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> we're going to end the show off talking about Utah. Obviously, we lost – Clark Phillips to them, but they just had a really good couple of signing days right. here. They were number 85 in the class rankings coming into signing day. They leave today as number 36, a substantial jump, because they had yeah. Clark Phillips, top 50 guy, along with three other four stars in Van Fillinger, Xavier Carlton, and Solatoa Moai. And just of note, I mean, Van Fillinger and Xavier Carlton were, were guys that could have – that OSU was maybe looking at because to fill that DE that DE spot, right? And I mean, you look at this and you're thinking, man, Utah is really going to be building the defense. Yeah, and yet again, it's it's looking like the power shift in the Pac-12 is is moving towards Utah and Oregon and away from from USC, unfortunately for Georgian fans. Yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 hasn't had a champion in in, in a, a true champion that's going to represent them in the college playoffs for for quite a while and uh We'll, we'll see if, if Utah maybe can, can be the guys. Yeah, and we get the stories every week from Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush, but, I mean, we're talking 10 years ago at this point plus. That's that's not a good sign for USC. It is not. But with that, unless you got any final thoughts, Jake, that's going to wrap up our, our extra long, you know, early signing day edition of the podcast. Last thing I'll say, fun stat – 
every team that has won the national championship in the college football playoff era has had at least one five-star in every recruiting class. So you can already start to count out Michigan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and with, with that, there's a, we're going to end with that little dig at Michigan. This was State Secrets with Patrick Ann and Jake Collar. Uh, fill, or recording on 12-21-2019. Join us next week with it'll be me and Ken. Yep. And uh, have a good holiday season, everybody. Yeah, happy holidays. And that was this week's State Secrets with Patrick Yen, Jake Collar, and Ken James. Tune in next week for even more Ohio State recruiting news.